Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. All right, so a few years ago, I volunteered to do something that only the bravest among us will ever volunteer to do. A friend of mine from college was going around in the southwest Missouri area recruiting people to volunteer to teach sex ed in local junior high schools, and I volunteered to do so, not knowing what I was getting myself into. And so I walk into this this classroom for a period of two weeks, and I have to educate a lot of junior high students on anatomy and biology, and I have no idea what I'm doing. So a lot of students who are Christchurch students, and they see their youth pastor walk in to their room to teach them about sex ed, their faces just go blush. They go white, and they're like, oh, no, I'm so embarrassed because my youth pastor is here to talk about this subject. Others don't have a bashful bone in their body, and they're like, we are going to make this guy's life terrible for the next two weeks. And the worst part for me was every day class ended with a little Q&A time, question and answer. And I did not like this because there were some bold students in the classroom who asked some bold questions about anatomy and biology and the birds and the bees and where do babies come from? And once I Googled the answers, I shared with the class, but we got, we got the answers that we needed. I tell you this because our subject today is, is similar. It's along, it's along the same lines. We're not talking about anatomy and biology. We're talking about sexual wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And I know what some of you are thinking, I hope there's a Q&A time. Sadly, there will not be a Q&A time, but if you do have questions about sex, you can email those to me at mark.christian at cco.church. I would love to, love to answer those questions uh, for you. Love to answer those questions for you. When I, when I was in high school, I went to high school with a kid who would carry around whiteout in his backpack. And occasionally on homework assignments or tests, if there was a question that he didn't want to uh, bother with, he would take his whiteout and he would just start going all over the, the question and try to remove it from the test or from the assignment. I don't think he was ever successful. I think the teachers found out every time. But I think some of us, when we approach topics like sex in the scriptures, it's almost easiest to just like white it out, uh, act like it's not there, remove it. But I want to remind us this morning, as disciples of Jesus, we cannot distance ourselves from the teachings of Scripture. Topics like sex also do another thing. For some people, they bring up shame or baggage, things that you don't want to remember. I seem to remember a verse in the Psalms that goes a little something like this. As far as the east is from the west, it's a far, far distance. He has removed our transgressions from us. I also want to remind us as disciples of Jesus, we cannot outrun God's grace. I hope you know that the tone that I'm trying to approach this message with is the same kind of uh, of tone that Jesus lived his life, full of both grace and truth. We cannot outrun God's grace and we will not outrun God's truth. With that on our minds, if you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to hear this. The practice of sexual foolishness will lead to your destruction and to the destruction of those around you. The practice of sexual wisdom will lead to your delight and to the delight of those around you. The book of Proverbs, as we're going through this wisdom series, is most like a father-son conversation. Today, we're going to be looking at the father and son's conversation in Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and 7. 
So if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, you can turn it there. But I have to warn you this morning that following me in the scriptures is going to be a little bit like riding the scrambler at the county fair. I'm going to be all over Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. If you get lost, you can turn your attention to the Bible in the sky up behind me and follow me along there. But I want, you to, I want you to see that this is a conversation between a father and a son. This is when the father notices that his son is becoming a man. And he begins to have conversations with him about things like wealth and discipline. And what we're talking about today, sex. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, the father addresses his son. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. So a lot has happened to the Holderman family, to Andrea and I's family uh, over this quarantine season. As you can see, I have a brace on my leg because I had ACL and meniscus surgery. And by the way, if I go down, I need you to come up here and help me up. Okay, if I fall down, come help me up. Or better yet, if you wanna preach the sermon, just leave me laying right there and you can grab the mic and finish this sermon. But I need your help if I fall down, all right? So I had surgery, but undoubtedly the biggest thing that has happened in our family over this quarantine thing is that a lot of you know that we were in the middle of the adoption process, and we still are, but our son, William Cruz, was born on May 13th, and we got to travel to Georgia, and we brought him home, and he's eight weeks old, and we're not sleeping a wink, but he is awesome, and we love him. And as I've been sitting there feeding him, I, I, I imagine these things that we're going to do together, like camping in national parks and learning how to wakeboard and going to some of his sporting events. And I, and, I, and I just get so excited talking to him about these things. And he just looks at me kind of cross-eyed, like, I don't know what you're saying, but, but I'm excited to do these things with my son. I'm excited to do things that are fun, but I also know that as a dad, I now have responsibilities to him uh, that I didn't have before. Naturally, I have to admit, at the top of my list of things that I'm excited to do with Willie Cruz is not have sex talks. He was in the room on Thursday night when I preached this sermon, and so we began these talks at eight weeks old, because you can never start too early, I guess. But, but I know that there's going to be a time and multiple times that we're going to have to have these conversations about hard things in life like the father is having with his son in the book of Proverbs. And so I want to encourage you parents, have conversations with your child your children about these topics and specifically about sex. And I want you to notice how specific, how detailed the father is when he is talking to his son about sexual wisdom. He's so specific. Proverbs chapter five, verse three through six. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Now, it's entirely possible, I think, that the father has committed sexual foolishness before. He knows somebody who's committed sexual foolishness before, and he knows the consequence that sexual foolishness brings. He knows the destruction that sexual foolishness brings. And so he lays it out before his son and says, listen, this is what happens if you go down this path and this lifestyle. And he says, my son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light and correction and instruction are the way to life, keeping you from from your neighbor's wife and from the smooth talk of a wayward woman. I believe 100% that is the parent's primary responsibility to disciple their child. And this 
In this scene that we see in the book of Proverbs, this is exactly what the father is doing. He's sharing wisdom. He's sharing insight. And it's not his own opinion. This is divine wisdom that he is sharing with his son. Preparing him to be a man of God as he continues to grow up. To grow in wisdom. There's another man, Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with both God and man. This is what the father is preparing his son to do in this moment. And I'll tell you this, this is my experience as a youth pastor here. On Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, it's not uncommon for me to have a student come up to me in our ministry and confess something that they have going on in their life. And almost undoubtedly every time after they, they, they confess, one of the things I ask them to do is to confess that to their parent. And I'll tell you this, those students who do go and confess it to their parent, the parents who respond with grace and truth, with both of them, are the ones who see their child begin to walk again in the way of the Lord. The, the, the students who just receive a, a moral lesson are not the ones who succeed. The students who just receive a, a pass like nothing happened aren't the ones who succeed. It's the ones whose parents sit down and tell them their testimony. Hey, when I was 14, I did something similar. And I'm not doing that anymore because I have a God who loves me, a God who has given me grace, and I'm walking in his truth now. And it, it might be hard and it might be awkward. This is my son. This is my daughter. And by the way, this is a conversation between a father and a son, but the wisdom here is transferable. Father, son, father, daughter, mother, daughter, mother, son. This is God's wisdom. It's not a human opinion on the topic of sex. And so can I encourage you parents, have these conversations with your children. And children, can I encourage you, be obedient to the instruction and wisdom that your parents give you. Proverbs chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. They will keep you from the adulterous woman. From the wayward woman with her seductive words. Children, keep the wisdom from God that your parents are sharing with you. Because I can tell you right now. Oh, it is far better to walk the difficult but, but righteous path of godly wisdom into the loving arms of Jesus than the easy path of sin into the death and destruction that this world has to offer you. Uh, what, is the, what is the wisdom that the father shares with the son then about the topic of sex? In short, his first imparting wisdom is this. The practice of sexual foolishness will lead to your destruction and to the destruction of those around you. In speaking about the adulterous woman, the father says to his son in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 8, Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. And in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 25, Do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyes. If you've ever read Homer's Odyssey, then you know there's the story of Odysseus who is returning home from the Trojan War. And in his journey back home, he's going to encounter some things. And he, and, he, and, he, and he enlists the help of this goddess named Circe. This is a story in Greek mythology. And he's, one of the things that he has to get around is this island. And on the island is this group of sirens. And these sirens are monsters, but they disguise themselves as beautiful women to entice sailors to come into the island. And those sailors will undoubtedly die. And he, and he approaches, seriously, how should I get away around, around this, this island? And, and, and this is what she says. First, you will come to the sirens who enchant all who come near them. 
If anyone unwarily draws in too close and hears the singing of the sirens, his wife and children will never welcome him home again. For they sit in a green field and warble him to death with the sweetness of their song. There is a great heap of dead men's bones lying all around with the flesh still rotting off of them. Therefore pass these sirens by and stop your men's ears with wax that none of them may hear. And I hate this. I hate what she says next. But if you like, you can listen yourself. For you may get get the men to bind you as you stand upright on the cross piece halfway up the mast. And they must lash the rope's ends to the mast itself that you may have the pleasure of listening. Or if you beg and pray the men to unloose you, they must bind bind you faster. So, So the wisdom from Circe to Odysseus is... It's basically this. Enjoy the temptation, but don't let it destroy you. I think this is bad wisdom for us to heed when it comes to the realm of sex. Because sin is a harsh master and temptation is its greatest weapon. If we allow ourselves to enjoy the temptation, we will succumb to the temptation A godly man in this church would not say to a younger man, hey, you can look at pornography, but just don't have premarital sex. Oh, because that godly man has been through the fire and knows that sin is a harsh master and sin will will have its grip on the young man if the young man allows temptation in his life. And sure, in the story, Odysseus gets around, but at what cost? At what cost will it cause our young people to, to look at pornography and enjoy pornography for so long that eventually it will lead them to the slaughter. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 7, the father tells the son a story about the adulterous woman and the way in which she works, the way in which sin works, the way in which temptation works. And I want you to notice what he says in this story. At the window of my house, I looked through the lattice. I saw among the simple, and I noticed a young man, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. Then a woman came out to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with brazen face she said, Today I have fulfilled my vows, and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you, and I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. And with persuasive words... She led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. This is how sin works, with temptation. At the center of the story, there is a young man, and he's described as a youth, who had no sense. I think the father is referencing his son when he tells this, his son this story. And I don't want to sound rude to any of the Christchurch students in the room, but a youth who had no sense is very vulnerable to the dangers of sin and temptation. 
Let's take pornography, for example. Did you know that over 90% of boys, before they reach the age of 18, will have viewed pornography? And a lot of times we look at pornography as a boy's problem. But by the time girls are 18 years old, over 60% of them will have viewed pornography. Headed, headed down a path towards death and destruction in the, in the arms of the adulterous woman as she leads them to the slaughter. This is the reality when you mess with sin and temptation, especially when it comes to sex. What's the, what, is, what does it look like? What's the destruction look like in the life of a young person who gets engaged in pornography, who, 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 who develops a, a pornographic addiction? It looks like isolation and loneliness and depression And as those things kick in, they lose their relationships with real people and their relationships are only with pictures and videos that they can access on a screen. And when they begin to do that, what they do is they begin to take a possessive outlook towards all the relationships that they have, which is damaging to their relationships with their family and with their friends and and people they date and definitely future spouses. But it's not just adolescents who have this problem. It's adults as well. Over 50% of divorces have a base in pornographic addiction. And those couples who have one partner who has a pornographic addiction have a 300% greater likelihood to have physical marital infidelity happen, adultery in their marriage. Sin is a harsh master. And I know it's at this point in the sermon that some shame, some baggage may be building up in your mind and in your heart And I want to remind you, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. Our God is good and he loves us and he will not leave us in the state in which we are when the adulterous woman brings us to the slaughter. The message of the cross is come as you are, but it's not stay as you are. No, the appropriate response to grace is rejoice in repentance. And so can I, can I ask you, if you are finding yourselves in this position right now, rejoice at the goodness of God and repent because of the goodness of God in your life and hold fast to his truth. Hold fast to the godly wisdom that the Father is sharing with the Son. Because although you may be 50, 60, or 70, you may be the Son in the situation. I need to hear this godly wisdom that the Father is sharing with the Son, and I'm sure you do too. So get away from her. So what can I ask you to do? based off this wisdom that we were just sharing about sexual foolishness. Number one, abandon the opportunity to sin. If it's social media or the internet and you're looking at things on there that are dangerous to you, delete it, get off of it. If it's a flirtatious relationship with a coworker in the office, ask to be moved desk spaces. If it's a, if it's a secret messaging relationship that you have via text message or email or whatever, Delete it, get out of it. And can I ask you, confess that to a brother and sister in Christ and find healing in the name of Jesus. And number two, abandon your involvement in sexual sin. Some of us in the room are on the doorstep of the adulterous woman. Others have already entered into her house. And I know it may be hard, but the only way that you will find healing from your sexual sin is to confess it and to repent. Look at the goodness of God. Follow in his truth and in his wisdom. There's another, another character in Greek mythology. His name is Jason. 
and he had the same task as as, uh, as Odysseus, but he wasn't returning home from the Trojan War. He was trying to return a golden fleece. And he had to get around this same island, the island of the sirens, with the monsters disguised as beautiful women who sing and entice sailors into their, their island. And, and he had to figure out how he was going to get him and his ship safely past the island. And I like what he did. I like what he did more than, than, than what Odysseus did. He didn't use beeswax. He didn't have his, his men tie him up to, to the mast of the ship. There was a man in Jason's crew whose name was Orpheus. And Orpheus was a skilled musician. He was skilled in the lyre, which is a stringed-like instrument similar to the harp. And Jason's idea was this. As, as a ship was going to go past the island of the sirens, what he was going to do is he was going to have Orpheus play a song that was more beautiful than the song that the sirens were singing. And so as they got near the island, Orpheus began to play, and the sailors were enticed with this beautiful song, and they began to row and row, and they rowed faster and stronger. And as the, the sirens heard this, they began to sing and tried to entice the, the sailors to their islands. But everyone was not captivated with the song of the sirens. They were captivated with the song that Orpheus was playing. And by the time he finished playing, they were far past the island of the sirens and in safety. Why do I share that part of the story with you? The father speaks to his son and he says, drink water, water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Undoubtedly, the father is talking about the son's bride or bride to be. And you might be thinking, oh, this sounds a little bit misogynistic, like he's objectifying his future daughter-in-law. Well, he's making a comparison, sure, but this is a compliment. I mean, come on, a running, a, a well with running water in the no doubt arid climate of the Middle East would have been a blessing. It would have been more than a blessing. This would have been life-giving to the son. That this, like, like a godly spouse should be. He doesn't have to go find water in the public streets or in the squares. He can find goodness. He can find life in his own spouse. And the father continues with wisdom. He said, should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams in the, of, of water in the public squares? No, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. And may your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always, and may you ever be intoxicated with her love. A wedding day is a big day. Uh, for any couple. And I've, I, I've loved during the season of quarantine uh, watching uh, couples get married and, and seeing the fun things that they are doing to, uh, to celebrate their marriage at, the, at their weddings during the season. Undoubtedly, though, everybody gets a little nervous on their wedding day, be it the decorations or the speeches or, or, or whatever. For me, there was something that I was, a, a specific point in our wedding that I was extremely nervous for. And I had been nervous before this part of our wedding for a long time, like long before I knew Andrea was going to be the one on stage that I was saying my vows to. The, the point that I was nervous for was when the preacher was going to say, you may now kiss your bride. Uh, it's not like Andrea and I had never kissed before our wedding day. Like she was always trying to kiss me. I couldn't stop her from trying to kiss me. But I had, I had never kissed her in front of my parents. And especially not in front of my grandmas. Like that is so embarrassing. And a lot, like a few hundred people, I'd never done anything like that before. The, 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 the second part of wisdom that the father shares with, with the son is this. Sexual wisdom will lead to your delight and to the delight of those around you. Growing up, I took hold of the fact that sex was bad. As a, as a, as a young man, I shouldn't be having sex, and so I latched onto that idea. And then the transition for me, that sex was now okay, was now good, 
was now a blessing and a delight for me was something, it was a hard shift that I did not see coming. Now, undoubtedly, my parents and my pastors had told me that sex was good in its appropriate context. And I want to remind you today that very same thing. Sex is good. And the practice of sexual wisdom is good in its appropriate context. And it will lead to your delight and to the delight of those around you. And the father poses, I think, with the, this is a rhetorical question. He says, why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom, that's a funny word, of a wayward woman? Make no mistake. I know that my wife, her name is Andrea, is loved and valued, made in the image of God, created to do good works, but she is a gift to me, and I hope and I pray that she considers me to be a gift to her as well, to be a blessing. And so let me ask you this question, husbands. Why? Why would we throw away the gift of our wives and our children for a one-night stand or an image or a video on a screen? No delight in your wives, husbands and wives. Why would we throw away the gifts of your husbands for, for, for a night filled with sexual immorality or another man with a sense of, of, of power but no responsibility? Wives, delight in your husbands, for they are a gift to you. And you might, at this point in the sermon, if you're single, you might be thinking, okay, well, what about me? I don't have a wife. I don't have a husband. I'm not married. Now, the marriage covenant is no doubt a powerful covenant that we should not break and we should honor and we should delight in it. But make no mistake, Andrea does not find her fulfillment in me. And I don't find my fulfillment in Andrea. We find it in God. And married or single, our covenant that we have with God when we entered into the waters of baptism, when we were buried with Christ and raised with him, that is our greatest covenant. That is the covenant in which we find our greatest fulfillment in. And so married or single, we don't find our fulfillment in another person. We find it in God and in God alone. And so don't throw away the teachings of God for a cheap imitation. Don't throw away the love of God for a one night stand. Don't throw away the grace of God to look at pornography, married or single. Remember, this is not a human opinion. All of these intimate relationships that we have only flow out of our most intimate relationship, which is our, our relationship with God. So married or single, the practice of sexual wisdom, meaning engaging in sex with your spouse, remaining pure in abstinence, will lead to your delight and to the delight of those around you. Now, why does this matter so much? Like, why does the conversation about sex matter so much? It seems like in our culture, you can do whatever you want. You can sleep with whoever you want. You can, it's a free game. But not so with us. Not so with us. Why does this matter so much? Because our most intimate relationships display our most intimate relationship. The way in which we treat our spouse, the way in which we treat one another, reflects what we believe to be true about God. And so why is sex only for marriage? Because God's love is not cheap. Why is, sex, or why is marriage for life? Because God's love is strong and God's love is enduring and God's love is forgiving. Why do we not have sex outside of marriage? 
Because God's love is intentional and God's love is focused. This is our God. And through our most intimate relationships, we display our most intimate relationship because there is a world that needs to know that there is a God who loves them. And even through the way in which we talk about sex and even the way we live our lives when it comes to sex, displays the goodness of God and the love of God to the watching world. And when they see our faithfulness to one another, they're gonna see God's faithfulness to us. When they see our abstinence from sexual immorality, they're gonna see the purity of God's love. This is why it matters. It's not because there's just a list of rules that makes it sound good or look good. No, it's because there's a God who loves the world so much. And he has commissioned us through every aspect of our being to preach that message. And so our marriages are a message that God loves the whole world and everyone in it. And the way in which we conduct ourselves in singleness does the very same thing, that there is a God who loves you. The practice of sexual foolishness will lead to your destruction and to the destruction of those around you. The practice of sexual wisdom will lead to your delight and to the delight of those around you. And you may not know it yet, but it may just be that someone begins to delight in the Lord of heaven because of the way you practice sexual wisdom. And so church, let me commission us, be obedient and full of grace when it comes to our sex and our sexuality. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, I'm grateful for the conversation that we got to witness between the Father and the Son in, in Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and 7. Father, I ask that you would help us to be obedient and to the wisdom and to the instruction that you give us in the scriptures. And Father, I know that we didn't answer every question today about sex and sexuality. But Father, we, we, we did realize this, that foolishness will lead to our destruction, but wisdom will lead to our delight in every area of our lives, including sex. And so Father, help us to be obedient to the wisdom that we, that we saw today. I am grateful for this church. And Lord, allow the way in which we conduct ourselves in our most intimate relationships, glorify you and display your love to the watching world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.